Are you struggling to make your first 100K or next? Are you pretending you're successful, but barely getting by? Are you tired of comparing yourself to millionaires and billionaires who make it look so easy? Welcome to First 100K, the number one entrepreneur voice in America. I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like how to make your first $100,000, because I believe this is where 90% of entrepreneurs get stuck. And I tackle the mental game of entrepreneurship that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are successful entrepreneurs who share their mistakes, their number one fears, their daily habits, and their superpowers that push them over the 100K mark. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a 10-time failed entrepreneur and the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida. This show was created for you, the entrepreneur who's pushing to break through the elusive 100K milestone. Wherever you are in your business, you're just 100K away. I feel I've been very, very blessed because one of the things that I always said is... I want to do what I love doing. I can't think of a worse torture of showing up every morning to a job you absolutely hate and you're chained to that job because you have to pay the rent. And I've had some of those too coming up, which makes me appreciate the fact that I got what I wanted. Oh, so much more. So the bottom line is that, you know, I, I had this goal and I made it, I did it. And, and one of the things it's like listening to you, you had some prior challenges. And one of the things that I've noticed about successful people is what most of them have in common is a bunch of failures before they hit it. And you know, it's kind of like boxing. When I was much younger, I did a little boxing. Then instead of fighting with my hands, I decided to fight with my head, which you can do a lot longer and stay in a lot better shape, hopefully. And, but what, what happens is the, like with boxing, no matter how good a boxer you are, you have to be able to take a punch. If you have a glass jaw, if you can't take a punch, you can't be a boxer. That's it. And that's true in business. And that's what keeps most people out of business. And one of the things, one of the many things that impressed me about you was, yeah, you had a string of failures. So what? Just like when I was boxing, you get up, brush yourself off if you have time, and then start swinging again. And that's what you have to do in business. And that's what keeps most people out of business. For example, I will never, ever forget many years ago, there was this attorney who took me out to lunch three times. And first time he took me out to lunch, he said, you know, Steve, I want to do exactly what you did. I want to start my own firm, but I have to be guaranteed a profit at least as much as the wages I'm making now. And I said, look, it doesn't work that way. See, the reason that you get to make, you have the chance of making so much more in your own business than you would as a, a wage earner is that you take the risk that you're not, you're going to lose everything you have, be out in the street. So I told him that, thank me. Then he took me out to lunch the second time and he asked me the same question and I gave him the same answer. And then a while after that, he took me out to lunch a third time. He asked me the same question. I gave him the same answer and I never heard from him again. So, you know, that's the difference that differentiates people. It's like, you know, I, on some of the other podcasts that I listened to, the, the gentleman that had all the, the challenges with his health and he went to Mexico and did all that stuff. One of the things I liked about him was, okay, he didn't say, oh, pity me, boo-hoo, where's the nearest welfare office? I'll just, you know, be supported by, by the government. He said, no, well, okay, you know what? 
I'll, I'll sell my business to my friend there. And then I'll go on and I'll do something. And even if I have to recruit, that's okay. But it's not like, you know, recouping is like recouping from, even if you have to go to the hospital, if you're seriously injured, you don't say, I'm going to live in the hospital. You say, all right, I'm in the hospital for a little while. I'm going to heal up and then I'm going to get back in the ring or I'm going to get back in, in doing what I'm doing. And, and that to me is a key to success. You have to keep going. You can't be so, there's an old saying, it's very true. You can't be so afraid of dying that you never live. And that's Preach. one of the, say again. Preach. Yeah. And the bottom line is that you have to be able to do that. And most people can't. So if you want to make that first hundred grand or a million or a hundred million, you know what? It's doable. And the type of people that I admire are the guys that came from nothing and said, you know what? I have an idea and I'm going to go ahead and take whatever it takes. I'm going to take whatever risk and I'm going to do it and I'm going to succeed. And I understand I might fail, but I'm not going to be so afraid I'm going to fall off the bridge that I'm never going to cross over to the other side because the other side is the promised land. The other side is milk and honey. The other side is the treasures, the dreams I want, but I'm not going to be afraid to cross on that rickety bridge because there's some hungry alligators underneath that want to eat me up if I fall. Startup Nation, we are listening to my guest today, featured guest, Steve Malkowitz. You can find him at MalkowitzLLP.com. And right so here, Moskowitz. he's... Say it again. Steve Moskowitz. Moskowitz. Thank you, Perfect. Steve. And he's from New York, as you could tell. This guy can talk. I just got back from New York. Uh, I was just there over the weekend visiting family, introducing my daughter to my my mom and dad. They got to meet her for the first time uh, since COVID began. And man, I miss some of those uh, New York ways. I miss the hustle. I miss the speed. Uh, and here in Tampa, it's fantastic. It's awesome. I have the quality of life. But Steve, thank you so much um, for really just launching us into the show. Uh, and I decided just to hit record there because you were going off on a, a nice rant about why you kept pushing, uh, even when you failed in business, why you kept going. And that's what's made you successful. And so for you, Startup Nation, as you're listening right now, maybe that's where you are right now. You want to quit. You want to give up. Uh, because you had a failure just recently or you're- Put your hands over your ears on that one. No, 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 no. Right. And, and listen, what Steve is saying and reminding us of is that failure is part of success. If you want to be successful, you must learn to get hit. You must learn to fail and be okay with it. And Take, not be afraid of it. It's part, it's part of the deal. Just like boxing, no matter how good a boxer you are, you're going to get hit. So be prepared for it. If you can't take a hit, then you don't do this. Yeah. So for all of you out there that have a glass jaw in business, listen, you may want to go get that secure job, you know, that maybe you're not cut out for it, or, you know, maybe you just step in one more time and give it a go. And that glass jaw turns into, and you know what? Go ahead, Steve. For those people that are looking for a secure job, I have a hint for you. It doesn't exist because I, I remember, you know, being in business, we all have ups and downs. And I, I remember I had a situation and I, I've been in practice for over 30 years now. Obviously, I started as a small boy. And what happened was, sure, there's always ups and downs. And I remember when I first started out in business, didn't have enough revenue. So I had to go to the bank and borrow all I could possibly get. And I remember the exact sum of money. I had two credit cards, a Visa and a MasterCard. I was able to take a cash advance of $250 on each one. I had $500 of capital now, and I used that in business. What was the first step you did, you took with that $500? I improved my office. I made my office look nicer because 
the office I had prior to that, you see, what happened was when I, when I came to California, I had nothing. Mm-hmm. And I came here to get my advanced law degree specialization in tax. I was still a student, but on the side, I was also a professor. So in the same school, I was both professor and student. And I started doing tax returns on the side as I had done in New York. And what happened was, well, I'd have to meet people in their homes because I didn't have any office. I said, well, okay, when I do that, sometimes that doesn't work out. So then maybe I take somebody out to dinner or lunch, do business there. But, you know, that's not really a place to spread out papers and talk about some things. I tried the faculty lounge, but that wasn't too cool. So I got my very first office. And I remember this office. And what happened was they, they wanted a lot of money from me for the rent. They wanted $130. And I didn't have $130. I had a $100 bill in my pocket. And I said, look, I can't do the 130, but I'll, I'll be your tenant here. You got to let me in for 100. So they said, okay. Now, the office I had, you have not seen closets as small as this office. <laughs> and for an extra $10, which was in the 130, but I got down to 100, they furnished the office for you. So I had this tiny little desk. The desk, they called it a desk. It was probably more the size of a TV tray. It was really tiny. And I had three chairs, you know, my chair, and there was a big hole in the arm. And the two client shares and all three were a different color. But you know what? It was mine and I was proud. It's like your kid, it doesn't matter what it he or she looks like, you're proud. And I started meeting clients and I had my own office. I was so proud. So Steve, why was it top priority for you to take the money that you borrowed, $500, and invest it into credibility, to improving your office perception for your clients. Why was that where you spent or invested the money first? Why not into marketing? Why not into uh, operations? Why that? Because in order for somebody to believe in me, I have to believe in myself. And I had to make the commitment of, I have an office. I'm not going to meet you on a street corner or meet you in a, you know, restaurant or someplace. I made the commitment. I'm going to have an office because I expect clients to show up there. But it was a challenging office. And, and I, I remember I didn't stay there too long because I'll never forget this, this dentist and his wife came to see me, but he brought his father. So now I needed a third chair. Mm-hmm. No problem. As part of it was an answering service. I had this little office in. They had a conference room. So I went to the conference room and I took a chair and I carried it into my office. But here came the problem. Try as I would. I couldn't put the third chair in the office and close the door. <laughs> so I had to put the third chair in the doorway. And I remember daddy is sitting in the door jam and I'm thinking, you know, this is not the office of a winner. <laughs> so I went and I said, I'm going to get a nicer office. And one of the things I, I always wanted to have a firm. Now, bear in mind here, I was a kid with nothing just, you know, out of school with my, my fancy advanced law degree specialization in tax. Again, it's not the law degree that we all have. I have that too, but this was an advanced law degree specialization in tax. And so I went to a nicer building and what I did was I said, I'm going to have a firm. So I got two rooms and I got one for a secretary, which I didn't have and one for myself. Now as a professor, and I'd like to think, you know, I see some things now I read in the legal magazines. It makes me chuckle. They say, oh, this is the cutting edge now. Stuff that's called cutting edge now, I was doing 30 years ago. Remember, I was a professor. So what I did was I went to two of my students and I went to one that went to school Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I said, will you be my assistant on Tuesday and Thursday? And her friend that went to school on the opposite days 
was the secretary the other day. So basically, I, I was the one that pioneered job share. And then what they would do is when the day would finish, she would call her friend and say, here's what happened today. So when the other assistant came in, they were right up to speed. So now I had my firm. And I remember that there were other attorneys on the floor that had single rooms. And they made fun of me. They said, you know, Steve, you're wasting money. I said, you hired a secretary, you're paying for a second. And they were bragging that they only had the one room and they had an answering machine and they typed their own stuff. And I said, but well, what happens if a client comes early and you're with another client? We need to tell them, wait in the hall. What happens if you're in court and the client just drops by? Did you get run over by a bus? Or where are you? What's going on? I said, I want to have a firm. If I'm in court and somebody walks into my office unexpectedly, they will be during business hours. They will be greeted by my employee who will say, how can I help you? Well, anyway, knock on wood, I prospered. And I went on in that building. I wound up taking an entire floor, the entire mm -hmm. top floor. And you know what? Those guys that made fun of me because I had two rooms and they had one. When I had the whole floor filled with employees, they still had their one room. But you know what? They stopped making fun of me. Yeah. And, and also my, my whole career, I, I've had people that, that, you know, if I listened to them, I would have some little job someplace. For example, even when I took my fancy advanced law degree specialization in tax, even the school discouraged us. So I, I just moved from New York City to San Francisco. And here I am, it's, it's, I'm brand new to San Francisco. It's my first week here. And we have orientation. And the person says, welcome to San Francisco. We have this great super duper degree. It's gonna be wonderful for you make you lots of money. But don't think about working here. As soon as you get the degree, go elsewhere because you're all new beginning attorneys. And San Francisco is so wonderful and so beautiful that you will, you'll never be able to compete with the experienced attorneys who come out here pounding the pavement, competing for their own job. You're not going to be able to compete with them. I thank them very much for their sage advice. I opened up my own practice and, and thank God I was very blessed and it prospered. So every person that told me, you can't do that. Just like when I was, uh, I'll never forget when I was much younger driving a delivery truck and some foreman, I don't know, there's something I did he didn't like. I don't know what it was. I was just a kid. He was a middle-aged guy. And he bawled me out and told me how I'd never be successful. I'd never make anything of myself and stuff. I'd like to see him today. I would really like to see him today and say, well, you know, let's compare notes. But anyway, All right, let me uh, pause oh. you right there, Steve. So Startup Nation, again, we're speaking with Steve Moskowitz. And Steve has been quoted in Wall Street Journal, NBC News, Yahoo Finance, Forbes, and over 70 other outlets. Now, he owns Moskowitz LLP. Uh, because of that he saw while big corporations were consistently navigating the tax code to their advantage, smaller businesses like yours and individuals like you were not. With prior experience as a CPA at a national accounting firm and with extensive experience in the corporate world, Steve knew that he could help smaller businesses and individuals just like us by applying what he knew. He wanted to make a critical difference in business and individuals' lives that protected them from the powerful government and enabled them to keep and enjoy the fruits of a lifetime of work that could otherwise be taken away from them by the government in just one action. So we're going to speak a little bit about some uh, some tips and tricks you could do tax-wise. Uh, Steve's an expert in this area, what you can do for your business. He's going to give you his top three tips and strategies to use in your business so that you're not giving away most of your earnings. 
Now, depending on where you're living, uh, depending on what state, what city, um, sometimes you could be giving away a substantial amount in taxes. I know here in Tampa, Florida, we were giving away a large amount because we were being double taxed in my previous business, both personally and professionally. Uh, and that was very difficult. Now, granted, we made such a great profit margin, I still did well, but I get it. I really get it. So Steve is going to share with us just a little bit about um, some of the tax strategies for you and your business. But as you could see, uh, we started him off in the show, just really building up some good uh, inspiration for you to keep going, to keep fighting, to not quit, to take the punches in your business because it's part of it. You're not unique in your struggles. We all struggle the same and struggle is part of the journey towards success. So stop complaining about your struggles. Stop whining about your struggles. Yes, I'm talking to you. But instead, use these struggles as, as stripes on your back to say, one day I'm going to look back on this struggle that I'm in right now. And it's going to be part of my success story. And I'm going to be sharing it just like Steve sharing his right now. And you hear so many of my guests sharing theirs. So Steve, take a minute, share with us your top three tips or strategies for Startup Nation right now. Um, maybe they, they're struggling to get over 100K. Maybe they just crossed six figures, but they're, they're in that, that first stage of it and they're struggling there. What are your top three tips or strategies tax-wise for their business that they can do this week, this month to really reclaim some of their profits? Let's start off with one that you can do right now today. So this is 2021. And you say, oh, you know, I'm listening to this guy, Steve. I'm getting all these great tax tips. I sure wish I'd been able to do that before. And we know for most things, we have to go ahead and write the check by December 31st, 20 to deduct it from 2020. But wait a minute. There's an exception. Retirement accounts. There's over 20 different types of retirement accounts. And people are familiar with the simple ones, IRAs and 401ks and stuff, things like that but there's fancier ones. And with a lot of these plans, you have up to the time of filing the return plus extension to set up and fund it. So that means that a lot of your listeners right now who say, you know, gee, I, I, I struggled. I made that 100K. I don't feel like giving it away to the feds and the state in which I live. If you live in a state, unlike you, that has a state income tax, like here in California. Well, what we can do is you can set up a retirement account. You can have multiple retirement accounts and you can set it up now, again, so you have up until the filing return plus extensions, like it's just, you know, three quarters of the way into this year, fund it in 2021, but still deduct it on your 2020 tax returns. And there's three big advantages to these accounts. One, you get a tax deduction. So the bottom line is you have to make this tough decision. Would I prefer to A, pay less taxes and put money away from my retirement or B, pay more taxes and not have money for my retirement. So after you struggle through that first one, then we get to the second one that a lot of people are familiar with. While the money sits in the account, the earnings are not taxed. So it grows a lot faster. And these accounts, you may have them in there for years. And the difference in not paying the taxes is tremendous. And when somebody gives you something nice, what do you say? Thank you. Wrong. That shows you're not an attorney. You say more. And what happens with more is these, what's in your accounts is called an exempt asset. And what that means is if you get sued, because let's, let's face it, in business, you know, a lot of times people get sued and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. One lawsuit can wipe out a lifetime of savings and earnings, but they can't touch your retirement account. So if the plaintiff wins a zillion dollars 
and that's in excess of your insurance. They can't touch your pension. And even if this is one of your failure phases and everything goes wrong and you have to do a bankruptcy, you keep 100% of your pension account, no matter how much it is. And if you want, and I hate to mention his name, but as far as having protection for your pension account, let's take a look at OJ Simpson for a second. He's got a giant judgment against him. He's never lost a penny of his pension. So the bottom line is the first thing I would do is get that pension. Tremendous, tremendous benefits. That's so that's huge. That's a huge tip right there. So how do we do that as a small business? And I'm going to play very naive right now because listen, when we speak taxes uh, and, and financial numbers and, and a lot of people, their eyes just glaze over, right? A lot of business owners, uh, they have someone in their business that handles that, but they're the owner of the company. So what's a simple strategy for them to set up uh, you know, for their business, this retirement account, this retirement protected fund for themselves? So you have a bunch of options. One, you could go to a guy like me and we'll just do it for you. And there are pension companies. And also you can go to your bank or investment broker if they can do it. But the only problem with the bank and the investment broker, they're going to sell you what they have. So that's why I say it's better off going to somebody like me or a pension company. We say, look, there's over 20 different types. Here it is. It's like a car dealer. If you're saying, you know, I would like to get the best car for me. Then you want to go to somebody that's a car advisor. And one thing I want to tell you about advisors, it's important. Your advisor should get the same fee whether you buy something or not or what you buy. But what you can't do is like going to a car dealer that's selling Cadillacs and you say, you know, I'd, I'd like to know what would be best for me, a Mercedes, a Jaguar, a Cadillac, a, you know, what type of car? What do you expect the Cadillac salesman to say? So you want somebody that he gets the same fee regardless of what you decide or if you make a decision because that guy can tell you the truth. That's what you want to take a look at. That's the first thing you want to take a look at. That's very helpful. Thank you for that. Okay, what is your second top tip or strategy. We're going to create a protected retirement account for ourselves as a business owner that can't be touched, regardless of if we fail in business, have to declare a bankruptcy, regardless if we get sued, it's protected, it can't be touched. I love it. What's your next one? Cost segregation analysis. So a lot of people are depreciating a real property. And again, here we get into how the banks make money, time value of money. Suppose I gave you a choice and I said, I have a benefit for you. Would you like it today? or would you like it 39 years from today? I'm gonna to make the wild guess. You say, I'll take it today. That's the time value of money. Because if I gave you a dollar today, you could invest it and have earnings on it for that next 39 years. So what happens with cost segregation analysis, rather than taking the standard depreciation, which can be as long as 39 years, you say, well, okay, I'm gonna go ahead, do cost segregation analysis. That's where an engineer comes to the property he or she makes a determination, okay, this is 39-year property or 27-and-a-half-year property, but this is 15-year property, this is 10-year property, this is five-year property, and this you can write off right now. And the bottom line is you get a tremendous savings in tax, and you can use that money to invest in your business rather than pay tax and say, well, I'll get that benefit 39 years from now. Get it today, time value of money. That's how banks make money. That's the whole principle in, in borrowing and lending money. So Steve, just to clarify uh, for our small business owners out there, does this include or is it required that they have uh, a physical office space where they're renting or leasing uh, or does it also include their home uh, where they have a home office as well? So normally when you're talking about this, you're, you're talking about commercial property. And also if you have that home office, you really want to decide, do you want to take that deduction or not? And here's why. If you do that, you convert that portion of your home, your primary residence, 
into business property. So when you sell it, you don't get the benefits that you would when you sell your personal residence. So again, I'm not saying not to do it. I'm just saying, understand, understand the side effects and then decide if it's worth it or not. And another thing that I would take a look at is your accounting is so important. Here's, here's one that comes up all the time. We have something in the firm we call profit optimization. This helps so many small businesses. Suppose you have the typical business person and you know they, they sell a variety of goods and services and they say, you know what? I've made a profit. I've done a good job. But suppose I told you this. Suppose you were selling 10 different things. I would look at each one. And that's what we do. We look at each one individually, each line you're selling, each service you're offering. And what a lot of business people find is this. Of those 10 things I'm offering, seven I'm making a profit on, and three I'm losing money on. Now, when I put them all together, it nets to a profit. But guess what? If I got rid of the three losers, I'd make more money and I'd work less. Or something is wrong and I have to be more efficient or I have to raise the fees on that. And then that's still not enough because now I said, well, we have seven that are making us a profit. But how much profit? Let's rank them. So let's say on one of the items, I'm making a 5% profit. On the other item, I'm making a 30% profit and I'm using half of my advertising budget on each one. You know what? Maybe I would be better off, even though I'm making a 5% profit, putting all my advertising into the 130 and maybe 5% is not enough. So that is so important. And then what we do is we do that on a monthly basis. We compare actuals to projections and just like artillery. The first month, if you shoot wild, that's fine. But the second shot, it's a little more accurate, but it goes too much to the other side. But after a little while, you're pretty accurate. That's how artillery is fired. They take a few shots and, and get it calibrated. That's what we're doing here. And a lot of times what will happen with business people, business people work hard and they get up early in the morning and, and the, your whole life is business. And, and that's the way it is. A business is like a child. It, it, it's demanding. It takes your time. It takes your energy and it's your life. And a lot of times when business people come home, they say, oh, uh, the, the last decision I'm going to make today do I want to get something to eat or go right to bed? Because I'm really tired. I'm a little hungry too. They don't stop and think, well, what's my, my profit? What am I doing? What are my margins? You know, the typical small business person, if in the middle of the year, you ask them a question like, so how are you doing this year? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm paying my bills, but I don't even know if I'm making a profit or how much I'm making because there's a flow in business. So that shouldn't be. If somebody says to you, what are you making? You should say, well, I'm, I'm selling 10 things. And on the first one, I'm making this. On the second one, I'm making that. The seventh one, I'm only making 5%, but that's okay. It's a loss leader because it brings in a lot of 30% stuff, but you know what you're doing. And most business people don't know. And then what happens is when they get their tax return done, now they're, it, they're, they're waiting and it's kind of like, oh, what am I going to get for my, my birthday present here? Because they're wondering, do I owe taxes? Oh, how did I do this year? Did I make mine? I lose mine? They're actually waiting. That shouldn't be. You know, it's kind of like driving a car. You, you keep your eyes open the whole time. You don't say, well, when I get there, I'll open my eyes. Not if you're driving. And if you own a business, you're driving. This is powerful. Powerful. Steve, man, I've been guilty of that myself in multiple businesses. And those are probably most of my failures, my, my eight or 10 failures. But right you know there. What? I, I wasn't tracking, it. man. I wasn't tracking. I was reacting. Right. And you know what? I don't look at them as failures. I, learn, I look at them as a learning experience. You learn. Nobody is perfect. You know, only God is perfect. Nobody's perfect. No human is perfect. So the bottom line is, you know, what some people call failures, I call learning experiences. And as long as you learn, they're valuable. 
going to school is a learning business, going into business is a learning experience, even failing is a learning experience. So you learn, like in boxing, you learn that if you drop your right when you're gonna have a left jab, boy, you get hit in the face. That's a learning experience. I don't like getting hit in the face. Keep that right hand up. And by the way, keep your elbow by your ribs so the other guy doesn't break them for you. So they're learning experiences. And that's what we have in business. And, and again, like we, we opened the show with, you don't want to be so afraid that something bad is going to happen. Because if you're so afraid something bad is happening, you know what? It is. If, if you, you predestine that, if you, if you think you're going to fail, you're going to lose your money, you know what? Forget about it. Go to the movies. You are going to lose it. Don't be afraid. Go boldly forth. And you know what? You will make money. Again, I mean, look, I was some kid with nothing, no family. I came to California. I didn't know a soul here. As a matter of fact, it was funny. I remember when I got my first apartment here, you know what I did? I wrote my address down and I, I put it in my wallet. You know why? Because I realized I just got the apartment that day. If I went out for a walk and I forgot my address, I wouldn't know where it was and I'd have a beta call. So I, 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 I didn't forget the address, but I had the security of writing it down in my wallet. But that's okay. And what I did was I tried and I tried and I tried. And you know what? A lot of stuff didn't work, but that's okay. That was an experience. I said, well, that didn't work. Or you know why something didn't work? Because I didn't invest it enough. I've done a lot of stuff in radio. And I remember when, when I first tried radio, I made a tiny little investment. And, and I was sitting in my office by the radio because I didn't have any clients. And I heard my my radio go on and I said, oh, it's terrific, it's my ad, but nobody called me. So I concluded, ah, I guess radio doesn't work and that's that. What I learned later was radio for me worked great, but not spending the 800 bucks that I spent, I had to spend more. And I did all kinds of things. For example, one day in my office when I started out, I went nine straight business days with no contact from the outside world. No clients came in, nobody called. I'd actually pick up my phone and is there still a dial town here or something wrong with my phone? And then what happened? I said, okay, this isn't working out. I got to do something else. So I went to the local printer and I, I got these very bright, I still remember lime colored flyers that I printed up. And I spent the next day, I had these a different definition of a shopping bag person. I had these two big, heavy shopping bags and I went along on, I spent the entire day putting my flyers under windshield wipers. And I said, you know, I can't afford much, but I can afford the flyers. And I spent the whole day walking the streets of San Francisco, putting these flyers on cars. Uh, next day, I hurried back to my office and I got two phone calls from those flyers. One, one person was not interested in my services. The other person made an appointment to come and see me the next day. Unfortunately, he didn't show up, but you know what? That didn't disappoint me. I said, okay, flyers didn't work. Got to try something else. And I tried and I tried. One of the things, for example, that I did, you know, you probably can tell I like talking, which is you good. You like because- talking and I'm and I'm, I'm giving you over the mic this entire show. And, and you know what? It's for that one listener that has reached out to me and said, Joseph, you talk way too much and you don't give your guest enough time to speak. Now, you I think invite, you invite me. You won't have that problem. I promise. <laughs> you. So listen, and- listen, listen. I want to I want to touch on the, the flyer thing. The flyer brought in two leads. One right. was unqualified and the other one was a no in the matter. But it brought in leads. Why did you not invest more into that? Why did you scrap that if it brought in something more than nothing? Because it took me a day of walking around, not doing business, putting those flyers on. And then what I did is I talked to the radio station. I said, look, 
I invested 800 bucks with you and it got me nothing. What, what, what can you do for me? And they said, here's your problem. Number one, you didn't spend enough. And number two, what you did is you, you spread your ads out and it, it wasn't enough impact. They said, here's what you do. You got to spend some more. I said, all right, I understand that. And what you have to do is blow it all in a short period of time, but you can have a blitzkrieg. I said, oh, I never thought of that. And they said, and they said that works. And basically I talked to, I didn't know anything about radio at that time. So just to clarify, you went from an $800 spend. What was your next spend? Two grand. Two grand. So that was, that, that was scary for you. Yes. That was scary. Okay. And for how long was that blitz of radio airtime? It was two days. So over a two day period, two grand, you're going to get this blitz. Your ad's going to be heard multiple times. Did it work? Yes or no? Yes, it did. What did it bring in? How many leads? Like what was the actual conversion? I, like I, don't, remember the, I don't remember the numbers yeah. to this day. But what I do remember is I called the radio station and I upped my buy to five grand. Wow. So you got that kind of return where yeah. you said this works. Let me go deeper. And when I went to five grand, then what I did is I still did the Blitzkrieg, but I did it over more than two days and it worked for me. It worked real well. And then what happened, it led to other things. And that's how I got on TV. Because Is this how you built your business? Was that was the first real successful strategy? It was a combination of things, but the radio, <clears throat> for me, the radio was just instrumental. That was, if, if, I, if you, you said, Steve, look, I've done a lot of stuff that yep. helped me. But yeah, if you said, choose one thing that you think helped you the most, or if you could only do one, what would it be? Yeah. It would be radio. Really? That's, that's so interesting. Would you say that is the same... Um, it, was it specifically for your ticket, your type of product, which I'm guessing is a higher ticket product um, versus a low ticket product for some of our business owners out there who consider radio as an example for their advertising spend? Well, you know, again, it depends what you're selling. You can be selling pencils. You can be selling airplanes. It's just you have to sell a lot more pencils than you do airplanes. Yeah. So the bottom line is in, in what you have to do, you have to believe in yourself. But that doesn't mean you go out and do things. I believed in myself. But when I started in radio, I knew nothing about it. But I'll tell you something else that's helped me. I've never pretended that I know all there is to know about everything. I asked for help. Good. So what happened with the radio, when I lost my 800 bucks, I said, okay, boohoo, I lost my 800 bucks. I went to somebody that I expected to know a lot about radio, the radio guy. And I said, look, I lost my 800 bucks here. What's going on? And he said, here's why you lost it. And I believed him. I asked for help. I asked for advice from somebody knowledgeable and it worked the same way is if, if you have an ache or a pain or a problem, yeah. you go to a medical doctor and say, look, you know, I have this problem. What do you need to do to fix it? And so I doctor- think you touched on something that's so powerful. That's why I'm drilling deeper on it, Steve. And that is so many times we try one marketing uh, approach. Uh, we invest our dollars, we advertise, et cetera, but we spend too little. And we don't get the ROI. So we throw it out and blame that vehicle and say, it doesn't work. And I think you touched it so well. I've done that so many times, Startup Nation. I know you've done it. You probably just did it last week and you threw it out. And Steve is challenging us both and pushing back on us saying, listen, get clear, ask for help in that specific marketing or advertising vehicle. Go to someone who does it for a living and say, hey, I spent this money. I didn't get a result. What did I do wrong? How much do I need to spend? How do I need to do it differently to get this return on my investment? Don't throw it out. Like, Steve, I'm telling you right now, I am considering doing radio again for this reason, right? Because I have a high ticket coaching business and it, one sale will pay for an entire spend, right? So like, why wouldn't I with profit? 
Why wouldn't I take that risk? But I don't know what the heck I'm doing when it comes to, and, I, and I'm talking about terrestrial radio, right? Radio stations here in Tampa. Yeah. But I'm thinking about doing that. Um, and I realized, you know, I, I didn't spend enough the first time. And I didn't ask for help the first time. That's why it didn't work. So I want to just push back and challenge Startup Nation. Steve, we're going to wrap up the show because we, we can't go too long here. You've added a ton of value. And I just want to thank you on behalf of our, our listener. Um, you really shared a lot. You started with a lot of inspirational stories from your own entrepreneurial journey uh, in the beginning. You really pushed on us uh, from an entrepreneurial mindset or that mental game of entrepreneurship that we got to push through, keep going, don't quit, get back up. It's just part of it. We're not unique in our, our struggles and our hits. We, we got to take them. And then you gave us real actionable advice from a tax perspective for our businesses. You gave us three right there. So thank you for that. So welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the hustle round. This is where I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready? Let's give it a go. All right. What's your favorite thing about going out on your own and, and taking that risk as an entrepreneur? And I know you're now doing over seven figures in your business. What's your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur? I can actually help people and make a difference. I started out representing the Fortune 500 and I said, hey, I'm not going to make a difference to the Fortune 500. And I remember the first case I did, the first trial I did, I was representing a middle-aged businessman who had a big tax problem. And every five minutes, he and his family were in the courtroom reminding me if I'd lost his case, he'd lose everything he worked for in a lifetime. That was exhilarating to me. And to this day, I still get that thrill. I make wow. a difference in people's lives. All right, Startup Nation, if you're not making a difference in people's lives, you may consider pivoting your course. Steve, what's your least favorite thing about being an entrepreneur? Some of the decisions that you have to make, for example, wanting to help somebody that doesn't want to help themselves, doesn't want to listen to you. And it's just like being a physician. You say, here, take this vaccine. It'll help you. And they say, no, 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 I won't do it. You say, but it'll help you. And it'll help. The no, no, no. That, that's frustrating. Well, I know I can help somebody and they don't hear it. Steve, that was a great political push. I, I, I saw what you did there, buddy. All right. So what, what is, um, I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of being human. Sure. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? I love work. And every, it's been seven years since I had a vacation. And everybody that knows me says, Steve, you know, go someplace. I said, but I'm happy right here doing this. So it's just the, the business is just so consuming for me. But I like doing it that, you know, I've been all over the world. And I, I've always enjoyed international travel. But the, the business is so interesting to me. And as it grew and grew, I just got more and more involved. And what I find is I, I start early in the morning, I, even to this day, because I do live radio. And I blink my eyes and it's dinner time. <laughs> yeah. So, Steve, can I ask a real question? And it's off, off my 10 uh, uh, questions here. Yes. All right, brother. So, like... I get to coach guys, right? That are doing seven, eight figures. They're very successful in business and they tend to be workaholics. It just consumes them. You described a little bit of that, okay? And they do it at the sacrifice of relationships in their life, right? There's a cost, there's a price to pay when we put all our time into business. Now I call those things rocks, right? We got rocks in our life that are blocking us in our relationships with our spouse, our kids, with God, et cetera. Now I believe that it's easier to deal with business and numbers than it is to deal with people and personalities. It just is. And sometimes we run and we want to spend all our time with the numbers because they don't talk back. They don't fight back. So well, at least they make sense when they do. 
Right. And at least it makes sense. But when you're dealing with people, man, there's, there's emotions and feelings and it doesn't make sense to our linear logical brains. So we run and run away from the ones we love and we run to business and we, and we sacrifice those relationships. I'm not saying you do that, but do you do that? Yes. Got it. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. My life is this business. I love it. But, you know, I have to admit that I am short on the, the family aspects. Got or it. I, I actually, I don't have any family. Let me ask a piggyback question because you're being so real and transparent. And I'm telling you, there are people listening right now that you're setting free when, just by you being transparent like that. Is it working for you? You know, it is because the thing is, I'm actually happy. I, I look forward to it. And what I find is if I say, well, you know what? I'm going to take today off. I'm going to take a walk and do this. I'm walking along. I'm, you know, it's beautiful here in California. I'm looking at all kinds of beautiful things. I'm looking at the ocean. But my mind is always on business. And it's not that I'm worried about something. It's that, you know, in the Smith case, I wonder if we did X. And, oh, you know, the result in the Jones case, I want to talk about that on the radio tomorrow. And it's just, it's, it's part of me. It's like breathing. It's not like, you know, I'll breathe. I, I made an appointment to breathe next Saturday. It's just part of me. It's, Do you it's miss out? Do you miss out? And be real. Do you have any regrets? And then we'll go back to our scripted 10 questions. But this is valuable, brother. Do you miss out? Do you, do you have any regrets of not having family, not going into the relationships and, and just having that love it, you know, all around you, so to speak, right? You know, my relationships, my personal relationships now have all come through the practice. My best personal friends have come through the practice. They're people that we did cases together. One of them was a prosecutor that was trying to initially put my client in prison, but we got along real well. He dismissed. I wound up being best man in the prosecutor's wedding. And that was 30 years ago. And we're still very good friends today. Got it. So good Other, relationships came through the business. Yeah. And, and so my personal relationships have come through the business and the questions you're asking me, my, my personal friends have asked me the same questions. And I said, well, maybe it's just my personality, but I'm happy in doing this. It's fulfilling for me. If it wasn't, I'm the kind of guy that I'll go after what I want. Yeah. If I wasn't happy with what I'm doing, I would go after and I will get whatever I want. That's the kind of guy I am. Got it. But I found it. Steve, thank you for just going there off script. You're so real. That was awesome. That took yeah. courage just to be transparent like that. I appreciate you. What did? What are you most afraid of? Well, I don't know that uh, I'm afraid of anything, but one of the things that I admire is I never want to retire. I want to be like, I look at Warren Buffett and Warren's 90. And although I'm not privy to his finances, I'm going to go out on a limb and make the wild guess he's not working because he has to. And recently on his 90th birthday, a reporter asked him about when was he going to retire? And he said, well, never. And then he faulted one of his former employees who, in his words, retired at the premature age of 103. And there's a guy in my local grocery store who worked until he was, until he was 108. And he's, he's, he took that job when he was 65. He was retired out of a, a company, mandatory retirement. And he said, look, I'm healthy. I just want to work. I'll take any job. So the only thing we have open is stock. I said, I'll take it. 35 years later, everybody in the store knew him. They had a big 100th birthday party. He worked till he was 108. I like those guys because what, what happens is retirement is very dangerous to a lot of people. Not everybody. Some people really like it. But what I've seen is I've seen executives, large and in charge, running business. They retire. And six months later, they're sick. They're, they're dying. They lost whatever. their purpose. That's it. You put your finger right on it. We have to have a purpose. 
And when you don't have a purpose, then just like nature, you know, you don't want to be that appendix that, well, there's no purpose. What happens to it? <laughs> it gets, you know, pushed out. It's useless. Yeah. All right. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? You know, that's a toughie because, you know, you could say thinking about business, but I, I can't help it. I like it. it. It's sort of like a guy that's a fanatic about sports. It's a good answer. Good answer. What secret fear do you have about people? I don't like it when, when somebody lies to me and I'm pretty good at ferreting that out. And when somebody lies to me, I say to them, you know, there's two people you shouldn't lie to your doctor and your lawyer, because if I believed what you just told me, you wouldn't want me for your lawyer. And that is so important. And I say to people, look, and I explain to them about attorney client privilege. I explain to them that it came from um, England where the lawmakers were saying, you have to have people to be free to tell you whatever they want to tell you. And no matter what it is, they don't have to worry. You could tell me that you murdered somebody. And by law, it's a secret. So you can tell me the truth and I'll sort out the facts. That's so important. It's like, if your doctor says you're allergic to penicillin, you shouldn't lie to them if you are and say you're not and, you know, cause a problem. So, you know, and I, I tell people, I said, you know what, at this stage of my career, I'd be real surprised if you told me something that I haven't dealt with before. You're not going to shock me. Just be honest with me. We'll work through it. And what seems like an insurmountable problem to you, I've probably dealt with many times. And I know just what to do and how to do it. And I want to help you. I really do. Boom. Powerful. In three seconds, what do you wish you had learned sooner in business? To charge forward, not worry about a thing, spend your money, you'll make it back many fold. Nice. In three seconds, what's a new habit you want to create? Figuring a way to spend even more waking hours doing what I want to do. And what's a bad habit you want to break? Same thing I just said, because I'm always thinking about business. <laughs> Pick three words to describe who you are now, Steve. Happy tax attorney. Happy tax attorney. I could see like a hashtag and that being part of your tag. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I go on radio shows a lot now as a guest, not just as an advertiser. And I really love talking about tax. I love, and, and at first they thought I was joking, but people I've been on with years now that when they talk to the audience, they say, look, if you haven't heard Steve before, he's not kidding you. He really loves talking about taxes. I Listen, I'll be real with you. And I'll be real with you, Startup Nation. When uh, Steve got booked on my show, um, you know, through the agencies working with, uh, you know, they're like, he wants to discuss tax and <laughs> taxes and finance and all that. And I was just like, snooze fest. I'm not sure I want him as a guest. Like, for real, that was so. And, and the way you came on to the show, not talking about numbers, just talking about business, the mental game of business, failure, glass jaw, get back up and fight. Man, that was surprising. And then when we spoke about taxes, you said it simply and digestible, where even I, who don't like talking about taxes, that was good. And I think Startup Nation agrees. Steve, pick three words to describe who you are your first year in business. Finding his way. Finding his way. Love it. And last question, if you could come back to life after you died. Look your family, your friends in the eye, the people you love in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about life, about everything. What would you say to them? Do it your way. Do it your way. Do it your way. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about making their first six figures this year, their first 100K this year? Anybody can do it. It's in your hands. The only thing you have to do is want it. Go for it. You'll get it. Don't let anybody stand in your way. And if they try, push them out of the way and get it. And that's what I did. And you can do it too. 
Okay. Steve, where does Startup Nation go to find out more about you or to ask you some tax questions, to schedule a call with you, to get your advice? They like you. They want to do more with you. They got questions. Where do they go? Call us at 888-TAX-DEAL. That's 888-T-A-X-D-E-A-L, 888-TAX-DEAL, or MoskowitzLLP.com. You could tell you've done that a million times on radio. <laughs> I've done that a few times before. <laughs> That's awesome. Steve Moskowitz, thank you for being on your first 100K Top 100 Podcast in Entrepreneurship. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thanks so much. I had a great time. I hope you invite me back. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.